1: Listeners are probably familiar with that song. That's We Got the Beat by the all-female rock band The Go-Go's from their 1981 album Beauty and the Beat. It's a song written by guitarist Charlotte Caffey, and Caffey will be the guest on this episode of the Goldmine Podcast. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine, the music collector's magazine since 1974. And you could go to goldminemag.com to find out more. Charlotte Caffey will be interviewed for this episode. She'll talk about their debut album, We Got the Beat, and a new documentary about the Go-Go's, simply titled The Go-Go's, which will air on Showtime in August. There's a lot to the story of the Go-Go's. They weren't manufactured in the IRS Records corporate warehouse. The band were a part of the Los Angeles punk scene for some time. Their members were a big part of the scene for years before the Go-Go's were even officially a band. Charlotte, along with vocalist Belinda Carlisle, Gina Schock on drums, Kathy Valentine on bass, Jane Wadlin on guitars, and former members, bassist Margot Oliveira and drummer Alyssa Bello were as punk as anyone on that scene in L.A. It was only later that the band decided to add more of a pop flavor to their music now we had kathy valentine on the podcast before promoting her autobiography but we'll have charlotte give her angle of the go go story but first let's give a chance to save on records with this promo art has value that's right go to decoentertainment.com and save 10 percent off at checkout with the code goldmine artists like Angel, The Vibrators, White Lion's Mike Tramp, Kansas's Steve Walsh, and others. That's DecoEntertainment.com.
0: Hey, is this Pat? Yeah. Oh, hey Pat, it's Charlotte Caffey calling.
1: Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Thanks for being on time. (laughs) Oh,
0: I'm always on. I'm so on rock. I'm so on time all the
1: time. So, what do you think about the, the documentary, first of all?
0: I love it. I, I'm so happy with it. I think that Allison Elwood is an amazing storyteller and really wove the story in a way that shows who the band is, not like not like the, uh, you know, the one behind the music that just showed like, oh, they fight, and they have problems. You know, so what? Yes. You know, who cares? I mean, you're in a relationship. You know, of course, you're going to have ups and downs, especially over 40 years. So... You know, it's, um, I loved it. I thought it was really, really well done, and I'm really, really happy and excited for people to see it. And it also shows our beginnings in the punk scene that a lot of people don't know.
1: i got to say, that is uh, my favorite part, because I was turned on to music, specifically your band, The Eyes, uh, that I didn't uh-huh. know about before. Now, you know, I'm a record collector. Um, I looked on Discogs to see... If there was any eyes vinyl, and there isn't much, there's a seven inch and um, something with the Dickies when you guys played live. But you're going right, to turn you're right. going to turn people on to uh, new sounds.
0: Well, it's it's interesting because you know in the documentary, uh, Kathleen Hanna talked about. I had no idea like that she knew like you know. Don't talk to me. You know that song that was. Um, that we was on a single you know our first beat i think we were on a flip side of a single on what records um and it um and i was really happy and she even started singing it uh which was amazing (laughs) and i think it was actually in the same key which was even more amazing i was like oh my god Fun. I that band was right before and it had uh, Don well I call him Don Bone bon Break but DJ Bone And then he went to you know, he joined X when we started breaking up and then I the go gos were forming at that point and I you know, they were looking for members and they knew me, they had seen me play and um approached me and I said, Yeah, sure I'll join your band. Yeah. So yeah. and then we formed the go go's, yeah.
1: Now, did you, so you must have, um, I mean, there's a line in there that the Go-Go's wouldn't have happened if they if it weren't for the LA punk scene. So you must have, it was like a community, right? You knew all the bands. I didn't grow up in that time. I grew up on the East Coast. So I always wondered, uh, you know, what it was like in that scene, you know, with the Germs and X and other bands. So you pretty much hung out with that whole, all those people, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, the, um, the Mask, uh, the Underground Club, the right. Mask, uh, that, one, that was kind of like ground zero for, uh, I think in late 77, uh, there's a, I think that they started having shows. I know that the Eyes played one of the first shows there, and um, it was uh, really exciting. Um, I had been in a couple different bands prior to that, just, uh, kind of just having fun, but, you know, the eyes were the first ones where I just, we got to play at, you know, some really cool places, and we, I don't know, it was just a, uh, a, to- a very cool moment in time. I'm always grateful that I was part of that. We had so much fun. I mean, the math was just insane. It was like, you go down these Stairs. It, I mean, that's why the fire department would always shut down shows because it's such a fire hazard. And it's a big cement room, so you can imagine the acoustics in there were like crazy. And inevitably, at the end of every weekend, there would be broken toilets and, like, you know, it was just, and, and that's where we rehearsed, too. So uh, the motel, I remember we shared a room with the mot- ex and the, mot- and the motels. We kind of, like, you know, rotated our times of, uh, rehearsing and um it was a very very fun very creative very free time you know it was like all about self-expression that the punk rock mu- movement and that's exactly what happened there
1: yeah i i was seeing sa- how jane said that she felt power- powerful for the first time in her life probably because um you know it's there was sort of this liberating creativity to it where you didn't have to follow the rules. You just express yourself. Right.
0: Yeah. no, No rules. And that's why, you know, Belinda, when they started thinking about forming a band, they were like, well, we'll just put an all girl band together, you know, let's do that. Yeah. And, and that totally appealed to me because, you know, there was already, I think four members of the band and then they asked me to join and, and then we started rehearsing um I missed the first gig cuz I was in England with the Dickies um 'cause Leonard Phillips was my boyfriend at the time but, um so i they had played they played like two and a half songs at the max <laughs> they only knew like they they only we only rehearsed like they only rehearsed like i think two songs and so they played one over i don't know it was a really funny story but um so when i got back from England shortly after that we started rehearsing so that's how that the whole thing just started and then we just never stopped like literally for 40 years <laughs> oh
1: my god now, and here you were you were pretty much classically trained on piano right i mean you knew musical theory yes and here you uh, go right into the punk scene which <laughs> it was Well, you
0: know what i consciously thought oh I just had to forget all that shit. I mean, you know, it's like, no, this is, has nothing. And it was, that was a very freeing thing. It's complete, like nothing. There are no rules. You write what you right. want to write and you play the way, I, I mean, I didn't, I played piano and I also played like, you know, I had tinkered around on the acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. but I had never played electric guitar until, uh, Gaza X. I don't know if you know Gaza, but, um, he was part of the scene and you know, um he he actually recorded uh Don't Talk to Me. Um and he uh lived in this house, a little house in Hollywood West Hollywood, and his roommate had his the only thing he had in his bedroom was a mattress and a marshal g a marshall amp with a Les Paul. Those are the three things that were in that room. <laughs> So I was and I went in there and I picked up the guitar and turned that amp up. I just played an E chord. It was the greatest feeling I think I'd ever had in my life. And I was like, Oh my God. So when Belinda said, Hey, you know, do you want to join the band? We need a lead guitar, I was like, Hell yeah. So and that's where that came from and then, you know it was it, it was just you know, that whole time was really, really something else.
1: Well, you have one of the best lines in the documentary. I see if I, I think you said something like you looked pretty straight, but you had a twisted mind. <laughs>
0: that, that that's true. Yeah. No. I mean, you know, I've been very open about my drug addiction and my, right. you know, that struggle. And um, but as of last February, right before we shut everything down, I had celebrated thirty-five years of sobriety—real yeah. sobriety. Congratulations, not Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean I don't I don't partake in any chemicals whatsoever and um but it's uh it's um you know uh, I that was just what I was going through at the time, so and I managed to enjoy myself a hell of a lot but also, you know, it's just dual life. It was it was and that was my twisted mind too, was like, you know, I had to like figure out how to manage that. It was really a full, another full time job I was doing, so
1: well, I also you know. saw it as you didn't want to live the status quo life as a creative person. you wanted to do something different um, it wouldn't you didn't want to seem like the the normal suburban person. <laughs> You'd be bored with that um well
0: well maybe yeah,
1: <laughs> but you also loved music at a really young age, right? I mean, I
0: did. I did. I was very. uh, I started playing piano at four, but I also started listening to the radio when I was like five years old. Like you know, back then, it was like a couple radio stations in L.A. And you know, I love songs. I just that's what what I grew up on was songs. Like uh, the you know whatever was on the you know. Pop 40 radio station. And at that time, it was amazing because Mm -hmm. there was all sorts of, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, here's the the pop station and here's this. It was all mixed together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then I saw the Beatles when I was 12 years old um, and the second to the last uh, date of their uh, American tour in 1966. And then my next uh, concert, because I went to – crap load of concerts always i loved live music uh, my next concert was led zeppelin their very first tour wow. in the state and jethro Tull was opening so it was like <laughs> this bookend of the beatles and then you have led zeppelin jethro Tull,
1: yeah
0: and everything in between you know right. so yeah
1: well i like that part when a documentary where you say you would take uh a forty five by Elvis and then put on some classical music with records. Johan
0: Stout, yeah. yeah. You're right. So do you and still do you still
1: collect a- records? Do you have records around? You had it at well, such a married
0: I'm married to Jeff McDonald of Red Cross and let's put it this way. We have yeah, he's a he's a record collector. I have records. I we have a whole closet full that we call it the media closet, which <laughs> is not really, but yeah. know, we have things like the collector, you know, our all our original uh, vinyl and right. um, yeah, yes. I mean, I love. Of course, you know. I'm sure you've spoken to people that love that ritual when you yes. But get. I remember specifically getting the white album because we. I went to an all girls high school. Actually, it's the school, the Immaculate Heart High School that uh, Meghan Markle went to, and and um, <clears throat> in Hollywood, Immaculate Heart, and. We when we got when I got the White album, I brought it to school, and I hadn't opened it yet. But I opened it there. We like during lunch we would listen, you know, like in some classroom who had a record. They had a record player, and um, it was. I just loved that ritual of those mm. when you would open a record, an album, uh, and that smell. Number yeah. one. And you take, you know, and you get to the you get to look at the
1: lyrics. It was just everything about that was so amazing. And now it's different, but that's okay. It's just progress, you know. True, but I also like how you you make it. I I don't know if it was you, but at the beginning of the documentary, uh, someone says people automatically assume we were put together by some guy, but we did it yeah. ourselves. Was that kind of a reference to the Runaways and other, you know? Bands, all girl bands. But
0: I saw the Runaways. I mean, I love the Runaways. Joan and you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. You know, that was that was really cool. But we, did, yeah. I mean, people just would automatically think, oh, like you know, someone put them together and yeah, wrote was a song it, with them it, and right. told them what to wear. You know, that kind of shit. And it's like, no and we were completely our own like organic or
1: we right. were organically grown
0: within with each
1: other yeah like you weren't made in a lab like as some gimmick no. right no, no, exactly
2: from
1: that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but it was cool that you also your first i mean you you were the house band at the whiskey i mean that is just that must when you were playing when the go-go's were playing there was that during your time or was that just before you joined the band?
0: I started the band, like, with Belinda, Jane, me, and Alyssa and Margo, we were the original members. Right. And so, yeah, we, I was there from, be- when Belinda and uh, Margo, I was playing, I mean, here's the story, I was playing at the Starwood. Yes. Um, and it was the Jam, the Dickies, and the Eyes, and um, they came up to me, Belinda and Margo, and asked. they said, we're putting together an all-girl band. Do you want to join? We need a lead guitarist. And I said, sure. Do you play lead guitar? Yeah. That was a lie because I didn't, but um, I figured I could learn. And um, so we started, you know, rehearsing when I got back from, I went to England briefly and I got back and we started rehearsing and then we got some gigs and our first gigs were the worst things I've ever heard in my life. It was Horrifying. We were terrible. But there was something there. It was just something mm-hmm. like, whoa. Okay, we just kept rehearsing. And then when we got Gina in the band, she kicked our asses. Like, you know, she was like, we have to rehearse every night. we got to get better. And I'm like, really? And we did, and we did get better. So, yeah, and then Kathy joined, and that was a let's see, Gina joined. We started in 1978, and then Gina joined in 1979 and Kathy joined in 1980 so that's how it went
1: well what's interesting about that story how you said you lied and said you knew how to play guitar is that you went up to Kathy right and asked her if she yeah and
0: Kathy lied yeah exactly <laughs> she had never played bass so it's so funny we've, we've talked about that it's like the perfect
1: did you think
0: that that changed that that little those two little lies that changed our lives you know
1: were you suspicious thinking, okay, she doesn't know how to play bass? Or how are you feeling about you that? You know
0: what? It, it was just that she she came into those. She, she played at the Whiskey. There were eight shows because there were four, like, let's see, there were four nights, two shows a night that we had sold out on the, the New Year's Eve run from like a December 30, 31, 1, and 2, I think, of that 1980 going into 1981 she blew blew us away. She was fantastic. Mm. And it was like, it, that, and that was just it. That was, we're, you know, it felt like the picture was complete right then. You know, with Gina having replaced Alyssa and Kathy having replaced Margo, that was just, in my mind, like, okay, we're, this, is, this feels really good. And Everyone Kat- was on the same page and right. moving in the same direction.
1: Yeah, and, and Kathy still kicks ass. I mean, I, I heard her new stuff that went along with her um, autobiography, and uh, wow, the, oh, mu- yeah. the music yeah. was so yeah. good. Um, yeah. Not that I'm surprised, but it really sounded contemporary and heavy and uh, cutting edge. It, it was so good. Um, so it goes to show how you guys still have it. You still have that creative energy.
0: Yep never went away.
1: Yeah. But uh, back to, I think, when you had Kathy replace Margo, Margo was more interested in being punk than moving over well, to more pop.
0: Here's the thing. It, it, you're not, we're not just saying, oh, we're going to be a pop band now. We've always, you it's like our saying is you can take, uh, the girl out of the punk, but you can't take the punk out of the girl. We are still those girls that we mm. were back in 1978. We're still that tough, you know, funny, raucous. That's who we are. But, you know, the music was evolving, and once the first record was made, you know, Richard Goddard, as much as we hated it when we first heard that record, mm we and un- i i understood we understood quickly that you know i wanted to be on the radio i grew up with listening to right. am radio with those rec- radio stations that played top 40 mm-hmm. but all different kinds from rock to pop to whatever you know and it's like that's what the lists were back then and i wanted that and so we if we had recorded the record the way like we sounded live Mm. We wouldn't have gotten there because we right. were too, it was too radical. It was too, it, it, there's no way we would have gotten on the radio.
1: Right. Because we,
0: we were, and so we still are just, I mean, on live, we're very minimal setup. Jane has two Marshall amps. I've got like a, you know, a Fox AC30 and a, a Cinder Deluxe and one box, you know, one box to, boost my leads and it's just very punk and very that's just who we are mm. so we didn't decide we were going to be become pop because that just kind of happened to us in a way and that's why people never knew about the punk rock days because they just figured oh look at this new band on the scene
1: Right. Like they had no
0: idea where we came from <laughs> so
1: well you kind of made the transition in the songwriting I mean um, I, maybe pop is a, a bad word it was more rock well, than
0: it's a, punk. yeah it's a hard thing to because the, the mo, melodically it was poppy. what we were doing is what exactly what green day you know and Billy yes. really joe's a good friend of ours and um we wrote a song with him on one of our records and and he's fantastic fucking amazing and so talented and that's kind of like what green day with these really melodic but they're punky and mm-hmm. that's that's what we sounded like back then. We were incredibly melodic, but the way we played was just raw. And then when we recorded, it was just Richard Goddard just took it a little bit. He had this vision about what he, you know, to highlight the songs, because the songs on that first record are extraordinary. Yes. And in my mind, and I can look at it like as if, if I never wrote a note of them. I just like listen to it going, wow, these are really, like I love these songs. And, um, so it's cool, and yeah, so it's kind of like, I think that's where people, you know, and then the, the press started calling us America's sweethearts. Well, if they only fucking knew, you know, like we were not America's sweethearts, number <laughs> one. You know, no way. So, But it's just so funny, like the perception, you know.
1: Well, what I love is that when you wrote uh, We Got the Beat, you introduced a sort of surf rock riff in there, um, and it just... Yeah. Well, that's one of the great things about a band they that you bring in all types of different influences. Well, right? that's the
0: way I played guitar because the reality was, and this is the truth, that I was not a guitar player in the sense of like, oh, I know how to get sounds on my amps and stuff. And I was always trying to get a sustain on the guitar amp because I because it sounded too choked when I played it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. and um, and I had a I had a twin reverb. You cannot really get, I mean, unless I had a master volume on there, and that, that one did not. It was pre-CBS. It didn't have uh, a master volume. Anyway, um, I, so I would turn the reverb up, and that's how I got, that's how I started playing, like, really surfy guitar lines. Mm. And if you listen to that first record, I get, yeah, it's all over there, like, with you know, this town, and, I mean, uh, you know, that, that's the kind of thing. So, but that, and I also loved surf Me I mean, I loved. I grew
1: up with all that, so it made sense. Plus, you wrote the song while watching The Twilight Zone, correct? So that is true. <laughs> maybe that had I, I a just little. I can't
0: remember which. I can't remember which episode. I wish I could, but
1: that, you know. <laughs> but then everything just sort of blew up, you know, like it just changed overnight. Where you went from playing small clubs to stadiums. Here you are. You intersect with the popularity of MTV. And it must have been surreal to go from, you know, being a punk band in the clubs to all of a sudden, you know, everyone knows you. It's sort of like Beatlemania in a way.
0: Well, it was, um, you know, we wanted to, we had no idea, you know, our idea of like, God, if we could just sell 100,000 records, wouldn't that be, like, that would be it. Like, that would be the greatest thing in the world. We had no idea that what was going to happen, and to be quite honest, that whole time when it was exploding and happening so quickly, it was very scary. It yeah. was very overwhelming. It yes. wasn't like, whoa, I'm just going to revel in this, you know? I mean, I, it, it was frightening it, for me. I'm not speaking for the other girls. I was just like, Wow. And um, I'm a little more private than all that. And yeah. um, and luckily, we didn't grow up in the age of, like, cell phones and, you know, social media, because that would have been brutal for us, because we were just out of control and out of our mind. Like, you know, we partied all the time, and it was just like anything went. And, you know, we did a lot of work, let's put it that way. We worked our asses off.
1: Right. <clears throat> and But, but going uh, in the limelight like that and that probably had a lot of stress on the band itself and
0: of course no anything the change the amount of work we did was insane it was insane and we didn't know how to say no and miles copeland's record you know he had just started Mm -hmm. irs records and you know it's like they were a baby company we were a baby band we were all just trying like oh okay yes well okay fine they would give us these schedules every day of like five million interviews and like you know Yes. Go and then we play our show. You know, it was and plus on top of it, we were partying and having the time of our lives and you know whatever. <laughs> but you it's know, exhausting. Can burn out. Yeah, it can totally burn out.
1: So well, just watching the documentary, all the spots you had to do. Hi, this is Charlotte for MTV. Like, <laughs> what was it like? Oh, just fun. schedule, yeah. Charlotte. You got to do MTV today. <laughs> that in yeah, well, itself you know, can be it exhausting.
0: Was all new and. We had no idea. We were just on a ride that we just were riding. It was like, and we look. We have a tremendous amount of you know memories and and
1: right.
0: fun and you know we don't we don't wish we were living it again. None of us do that. But it's like it was. We are so grateful that we got. We're the most grateful for is the punk rock scene in L.A. because right. that's what spawned everything, and that was pre getting signed and it was just there was something about that time of my life that it was so freeing and open and just no anything went and there were no rules and that was my favorite like that was a great time and right where there wasn't any pressure
1: right you know because when you get so big it becomes more of a business than you know
0: yeah and the pressure you know and like who you're an artist you don't want to think about music business you know, but you, but now, and we learned that that's something you have to understand. It's right. important to understand it right. because it's part of, it's part of it, you know. And nowadays, there's, you know, all sorts of aspects to it. And people can, it's kind of cool though, because people can go back, have gone back to doing DIY stuff because there's so many ways of presenting yourself, like YouTube or whatever, you know, and mm. it's a very different world, but it's, um, yeah.
1: Well, as one of the main songwriters, it's got to be so different than wanting to write a song and having to write a song, and especially like pressure to hit, write a hit song. <laughs> so that in itself, as a songwriter, not just a band member, had to be extra pressure pressure on you.
0: Well, I think with the second record, you know, it was scary because it was like, "Oof, okay, how are we going to top that?" And then Kathy showed me. Vacation. It was a song that she had in her old band, the Tech Tones, yeah. and I said to her, I said to her, you know something? I think with a little work, this could really, like, the, I felt like the chorus wasn't like, I wanted the chorus to lift. I, I really felt like there was something more there. Like, this was a, ske- this was a sketch, right. and it wasn't finished quite yet, and it was hard, And it was scary to ask her, because I don't would never want to step on anyone's creativity or anything and she was totally open to it and we sat down and worked on it and really that song is great and really just just grabbed a moment you know and it's like um and i you know it's really happy i took that risk and said something to her you know i don't think the song would have made it on the record had it not so And then it became the whole basis of the, uh, you know, album with the album right. cover and everything, which is so
1: mad, uh, so great. It's almost going to be 40 years since uh, Beauty and the Beat. Does that feel almost surreal to you?
0: <laughs> you know, it's we've had some several milestones over the years, and kind of does. Yeah. But, you know, I love our quote from when we were... The baby sassy baby band that we were that's why I call it the baby band—but young band that we were. back then when we would laugh hysterically, saying, "Can you imagine when we're like 40 or 50 wearing mini skirts? And that's never going to happen." We would always wear mini skirts on stage. Well, we still wear mini skirts if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, it's a it's a strange thing uh, how when you get older, like we still feel like the same people but we just happen to be years older but certainly internally i don't know if we'll ever grow up you know in a a, 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 as what's expected you know
1: (laughs) well what's next for you and and the go-go's do you have music yourself
0: we hope to get um our touring right because you know we have it redone for next year we have dates already you know booked and stuff so we'll see what happens i mean but we've all know that we've been very no guidance here, most of the you know the nation, and so we're stuck in this pandemic nightmare and um it's really bad you know we're we're in this very serious situation, and yes. you know hopefully hopefully the vaccines are going to be you know uh come come forward and work and be and help people because it's really frightening. You know, it's just frightening. But I think that we need new guidance and we need some people that are really going to, like, you know, take over and restore. There's been a lot of damage. So we're we're very much, you know, want to see that happen as well. And um, anyway, that's, you know what, I and I think at the end of this, when we get things under control, which we will, it's just we've taken a detour here. I think that the live performances by many bands is gonna be so important because people are gonna to need to be uplifted, you know, again. Yes. And so that's what I, I know for the for the Go Go's fans and anybody who will come to our shows, if we get if we're fortunate enough to get to play next summer, but that will happen and it'll be really good for everyone's like, you know, life.
1: People will so be energized. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um but it was really nice talking yeah, to you. Yeah, well,
1: Thank you yeah. for taking the time for Goldmine again. I know you've yeah. we've interviewed qu- you quite a few times, and and yeah. good luck yeah. with everything. And I'd love to hear your solo stuff too. I know you said you were uh, tinkering with that, so um, yeah, I, th-
0: I always tinker with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you so much. Thanks, Charlotte. Okay. Bye. Bye. S-
1: Bye now. Thanks, Charlotte. Everyone listening, don't forget to watch the documentary, The Go-Go's, on Showtime, airing in August. It's worth the watch, and you'll see a side of The Go-Go's that you probably never expected. Now, don't forget to go to goldminemag.com for other exclusive content and pick up the print edition at select newsstands like Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. This is Pat Prince signing off. Catch you next time on The Goldmine
2: Podcast.